hour we acknowledge that you are the one that speaks a thing and you bring it to pass you are unquestionable unchallengeable immortal invisible the only wise god who is speaking when the lord has not spoken who wants to speak after the lord has spoken father lord we want to thank you for the gathering of your people here this morning therefore we ask jehovah that every spirit that is contrary to the spirit of attention and of wisdom knowledge and understanding i bind and cast to the dry places in the name of jesus i ask lord that your spirit will brood over us and teach us to speak to hear and to understand and above all that the word will mix with faith and profit us in the name of jesus let no man woman or child live here the way we have come in the name of jesus at the end of it, Lord, let the glory, the honor, the adoration, and the praise be yours. Let the testimonies be ours in the name of Jesus. Thank you, Heavenly Father, for we pray in Jesus' mighty name. Praise the Lord. Please be seated. Good morning, church. I welcome my friend and brother from Diaspora. Dr. Tunde Ahansi for joining us this morning. This morning we're sharing on small but wise. Small but wise. Say to your neighbor, small but wise. As human beings, we often evaluate our successes or capacities by size in different categories. For example, the size of your qualification. When they call somebody a doctor or a professor in front of you, you pay attention. If somebody has social capital or connection, if they say this is the richest man in Nigeria or the richest man in Africa, say this person is from the family of the Queen of England, you pay attention. That's big. The size of your economic potential. Or old school boy network. Some people drop the names of their former school. There are some former school chiefs, you mentioned it, that somebody went there. You give them a benefit of the doubt that they have been well taught and that they must be well connected. Some people even attend some so-called big churches that are meant for influential or affluent people. I have a friend who goes to a church which I will not mention because he thinks that the church is populated by big people. I don't know what he means. But this parameters do not always imply or translate to success or even comfort. Even if they play a modest role in our social standing, it's a big even, or our comfort or happiness. So today we're looking at small creatures that achieve great things or cause great things to happen, or small creatures that survive against the odds of an adverse environment. Many of us believe that big is better. I don't know if big is better. You know, in corporate world, they sometimes say too big to fail. But we have seen many big corporations fail and the heavens did not fall. The, well, I pray you will never be caught in such a thing in the name of Jesus. It's the people who put their trust in those corporations who had any regret. But my position is that when you are talking about big, it depends on big in what? If you are big in faith, that's a major asset. Jesus said to his disciples, if you have faith as small as a mustard seed, what will you do? 
I can't hear you. You move mountains. Big faith, then you are going to have great achievements. If you are big in the word of God, that's a big advantage. When the devil came to test Jesus after 40 days fast, Jesus responded to each of the tests. It is what? It is written in the word of God. You will not test the Lord your God. And Psalm 119 tells us, your word have I hidden in my heart so that what will not happen, that I may not sin against you. So, if you are big in the word of God, that's a major asset. What if you are big in wisdom? If you are big in knowledge or understanding, then you can be said to be big in everything. Proverbs 4, 7 tells us, with all you're getting, get what? I can't hear you. Get wisdom and get understanding. Proverbs also tells us that money is a defense, wisdom is a defense. But the excellency of it is that wisdom is better than money. Because there are many rich people who are not wise. I pray you not be one of them in the name of Jesus. So, it is not every time that being big is an advantage. After all, Goliath was very big. And that was good for David because blindfolded, David would not have missed. Praise the Lord. He was so big that David could not miss. So Goliath was big in stature, but very small in wisdom. Samson was a man that was big in strength and physical ability, but very, very small in character and discipline. He was ensnared by a woman that the Bible describes as weaker vessel. Pharaoh was a very big king, powerful, but he lacked wisdom to see the hand of God. When God has decided to do something and you choose to stand in the way, you get consumed. I pray you will not get consumed in the name of Jesus. Nebuchadnezzar was a king. He was big and all-powerful, but he lacked the wisdom to understand that he was there at the pleasure of God. God decided to teach him a lesson. Nabal, in the book of 2 Samuel, was a man who was very rich in cattle, in cow, in goats, and sheep, and he had a big farm. But he was very small in common sense. Lucky for him, he had a very wise wife. We can go on and go on and go on and go on. So, Proverbs 30, 24 to 28 commends us to diligence by calling attention to the success of small and insignificant creatures. And the successes of these animals being due to their sagacity and their activities and their wisdom rather than their strength. By implication, the Bible is teaching us that we can succeed not by strength alone. Indeed, the Bible says, by strength shall no man do what? Prevail. By strength shall no man prevail. So let's start with the ants. Ants are very small but visionary. Visionary enough to plan ahead. Ants to human beings are a pest. Many of us fumigate our homes and our houses to get rid of ants. But the Bible calls attention to these irritants to teach human beings a lesson. Their modus operandi and how they look out for each other underscore their wisdom. When an ant finds food, within minutes, what do you find? A trail of other ants. Even if it is just one morsel of bread that is inadequate for one ant, 
When a human being finds food, what does he do? He covers it. Me, myself, and I. He does not invite anybody. He wants to see how he can eat alone and die alone. Ants are the exact opposite. They call other ants to come and share in the blessing. They do not eat with ten fingers. You know what it means to eat with ten fingers? Greedily. Whether it is a bumper harvest or a lean harvest, the Bible tells us the ant plans for next summer. It doesn't know what is going to happen. So they keep a little. They save a little and keep it away. So what is the summary lesson from ants? Diligence without external prompting. The Bible says they have no overseer or commander. It is not as if the pastor is telling them what to do. It's not as if the leader is telling them what to do. They just take the initiative and do what is right. Many people, but most especially young people, who are all young at one time, the Bible says foolishness is bound up in the heart of a child. What drives it out? The rod of correction, the shkoboko of correction, the cane of correction is what drives it out. Young people often need to be policed to get the right things done on time, at the right time, for their own benefit. But ants don't, tell, don't wait for somebody to tell them what to do. Whatever your business, whatever your calling, or your vocation, the ant teaches you to diligence and to forward planning. The ant makes no assumption about what lays ahead. It plans ahead all the time. It plans ahead all the time. Indolence soon becomes a habit. Let's go to Proverbs 6, 10 to 11 and see how indolence works. Proverbs 6, 10. It says, a little sleep, a little slumber, a little folding of the hands. That's what you do all the time. Read one scripture of the Bible, a little more sleep. Attend a prayer meeting, one hour or 30 minutes, a little more sleep. No, I'm going home. Go for a special, things that can build up your faith or the word of God, a little diversion. EPL, uh, Premier League, a little slumber. It says poverty, not just of the pocket, but spiritual poverty, will come on you like what? I can't hear you. Like a thief and scarcity like what? It will become as if you are fighting a battle because it becomes difficult to break. See, scarcity comes upon the person like an armed man. It's as if somebody is confronting you with guns. But it is the habit that has become unbreakable. There's always an opportunity cost to that little diversion towards against something that you need to be doing in your own interest. So for the student, the opportunity cost of sleeping, nobody tells you to go to class in university. And yet you enter as a teenager to watching video games, to staying on social media, watching football ad infinitum, staying in the hostel when others are at work, in the cost of being in class, in a tutorial or a library, or being with a group reading session and just learning. The same concern applies to the salvation of our souls and how we prioritize spiritual things and our spiritual lives. As I said, if you are big in faith, Big in the word of God or big in wisdom. Then you are big in everything. Never mind the school that you went to. Never mind the amount of money in your account. Never mind your social capital or pedigree. Never mind the family that you came out of. 
Bible says we should awake from spiritual slumber and give diligence to secure our salvation. The ants may be small, but it puts us human beings to shame in his diligence and his hard work. Small, but what? Wise. Let's go to the coney or the rabbit. The coney or the rabbit is very small, but is able to live secure. What all of us like is to be able to live secure. Its size is its advantage. It enables it to live within the cracks of rocks because it has no food to be able to dig like a big animal. And so, where a big animal cannot go into, the coney can go into those places and be secure. It uses its small size and its obscurity to advantage to be secure. Being a prominent person, being big, it has its upsides and its downsides, or what you popularly call advantages and disadvantages. When you are prominent, you have to trade your popularity for your peace of mind and your privacy. Some important people in society cannot go anywhere without a long convoy of security vehicles. Sometimes that convoy comes with the job. There's nothing you can do about it. That security comes with the job. There's nothing you can do about it. In fact, part of the protocol they will tell you is that the state is supposed to protect you, so you can't say no. Okay? But it has consequences. It means wherever you go. Many years ago, a friend of mine who was a commissioner in one of the states came to my office, and there was this guy in a black suit tagging along. So I said, should the guy come in and all that? He said, I should just leave him there. He said he's from the security services. He must file a report of where he goes, who he sees, what he says. I said, so how do you live your life? He said, he just ignores the guy. And does what he wants to do. Well, it prepared me for today to an extent, in a way. Sometimes the convoy comes with the job and you cannot wish it away. It's part of a protocol that you cannot do anything about. But sometimes, it is simply to gratify ego. There is no reality of insecurity beyond what applies to the generality of the people. But some people who are not even in public office, when they arrive somewhere, you would think it's the president that came. Now, that kind of visibility has its advantages and its disadvantages. Anonymity, like that of the coney or the rabbit, has its advantages and its disadvantages. I'm not focused on other kinds of insecurity, whether financial or marital or whatever. The point I want to make is that there are times when being big is being unsafe or being important is being at risk because you are visible. But this is not the case of the coney. It is a feeble, anonymous, seemingly unimportant animal that is able to live safe and secure where the important people cannot live. Take Jesus, for example, the savior of the world. Jesus was born in anonymity, in a manger, where ordinary folks will never dream of even having their babies. But that anonymity probably saved his life. So while the world was ignorant of the birth of the savior of the world, the Bible says heaven was what? Rejoicing. Heaven was rejoicing. Now that anonymity of the circumstances of the birth of Jesus probably saved his life from the hands of the wicked king Herod. So in the midst of all the challenges around us, 
It is what you think is a weakness that is actually an asset. I'm trying to change your mindset. Your biggest advantage to safety and for security. God will keep you safe and secure. The wisdom required, you will not lack it in the name of Jesus. The third example I want to go to is the locust or the grasshopper or the cricket family, whichever Bible translation you are reading. The Bible says locusts are small. They have no leadership. But like ants, they understand the power of community and of cooperation and of working together against a common adversary. They are always well organized in ranks with everyone staying at his own level. So this implies that they overcome whatever obstacles they come against. If only human beings could organize themselves in ranks with everyone staying at his own level, we will win all our battles. But everybody is a big man in Nigeria. You see it on the road. You see it in the competition for space. Everywhere and every time. Many of us do not understand the power of unity and of community and how it works to improve livelihoods and to achieve set goals. Ignorant people promote and defend individual interests above community interest. But the individual tree never made a forest. Even if a tree made a forest, it is easy to cut down. It's easy to cut down a tree. It's not easy to cut down a forest. Some people never cooperate with others for the common good. I live in an estate. Some people want security. They want the refuse to be cleared. They want the environment to be swept. They want a place where they can relax like a park. But when they say they should pay, they don't pay. They don't pay. But they want to enjoy those things. They don't pay for security, but they want to see security. They don't pay for refuse collection, but they want a clean environment. It's like wanting to go to heaven, but not wanting to die. Many of us want to see a good Nigeria, but we don't pay taxes. Take Asians, for example. Asians who live abroad are often very well organized, as I've been told. Indeed, my son was telling me recently that when young Asians, Indians, get married, for like two years, they live with an established family in order for them to save and stabilize. So they don't have to spend any part of their own income in planning to get their own accommodation. After two or three years, they are supported to make a good deposit to buy their own accommodation. But people in Africa, if your brethren is coming this way, you take the other side. Say, don't let him know I'm here. We don't cooperate. We don't appreciate, like locusts, the power of community. The power to organize to protest peacefully. The power to organize to resist oppression. The power to organize to resist corruption. The power to organize to set standards. My former principal, when I was in legal practice, told me a story. Ikoi Club 1938 was formed by uh, colonialists and some educated Nigerians at that time. And it was a rule that when you are coming to the club, you must wear a tie. Now, our traditional dress does not include a tie. So the Nigerians decided that they were going to abandon this tie business. And so they planned to get into the executive and then change the rule, at least according to the law. 
Okay, there was only one snag. They never kept to time. So on the day of election to vote out this business of tie wearing, all the Europeans came early. The voting took place and another European won. The Nigerians came in when they liked, just like you see. No consciousness about time. A community that wanted something done or improved, whichever way you look at it, but could not organize itself to get what it wants. It would always be dissatisfied. It would always be dissatisfied. The Bible says that unorganized people are like the army of God. Let's go to Joel. Joel 2, 6 to 8. NIV. Joel 2, 6 to 8. It says, At the sight of them, nations are in anguish. Every face turns pale. Next verse. They charge like warriors. They scale walls like soldiers. They all march. How? I can't hear you. In line. Not swerving from their cause. Verse 8. They do not jostle each other. Each marches straight ahead. They plunge through defenses without doing what? Without breaking ranks. If Kony, if locusts, Tata, Ire, or whatever name you want to call it in Yoruba, if it can be so well organized, how much human beings who are made in the image of God? The example of community life or the early church is very instructive. And you find that in Acts chapter 2 from verses 42 to 47. In many parts of Paul's epistles, he exhorted us as a church to be united. One of the scriptures we read in Ephesians 4, 1 to 6, where he said we should maintain the bond of unity in the bond of peace. Be united. And the same thing applies to the family. Jesus told his disciples, a house divided against itself cannot do what? Cannot stand. It's impossible. Once you are divided, progress will be slow. Achievements will be very slow. Psalm 133 says, Behold how good and how pleasant it is for brethren to dwell together in unity. How good and how pleasant it is for brethren to dwell together in unity. Let's look at the rest of it. It is like the precious ointment upon the head that ran down upon the beard, even Aaron's beard, that went down to the skirts of his garments. As the dew of Ammon and as the dew that descended upon the mountains of Zion. See what unity brings. Say, for there the Lord commanded what? Unity always brings blessings. Because then you are not acting at cross purposes. Somebody is going this way, somebody is going that way. May that not be your portion in your home in the name of Jesus. Locusts are showing us human beings the benefits of working together. How much do we need to say, especially to groups, to families, to neighbors, to communities, and to our country, to persuade people to live together in peace? Why is this important? Because without cooperation and peace, community progress will be slow or totally absent. Living in unity like locusts is in our interest. My final example, the spider or the lizard, depending on which version of the Bible you are reading. The, the spider or the lizard are things you want to keep out of your house. Talk less of in a palace. So there are special people whose job it is to clean the palaces meticulously all the time to make sure that spiders do not come in, talk less of building a web or lizards, as the case may be. But the spider wants to get to the palace. 
the lizard also wants to get to the palace. So there's a conflict between the intent of the lizard and the spider and those who have been prepared to prevent it from happening. Palace guards diligently positioned to prevent the lizard or the spider from being found in palaces, yet the lizard finds a way to get there. What's your aspiration? Where would you like to get to? Like the spider or the lizard, the wisdom to achieve it against all odds, God will give to you in the name of Jesus. It's not about strength. It's not about bullying. It's not about fighting it. It's about the wisdom to know where are the weaknesses. What are the opportunities? Where can I go through? And you'll achieve your dreams in the name of Jesus. Let me conclude by using a parable, an example, a teaching from Jesus about the importance of small things that matter. Luke chapter number 16, verses 10 to 12. Luke 16, 10 to, Jesus said, whoever can be trusted with very little can also be trusted with much. And whoever is dishonest with very little will also be dishonest with much. That's evidence of character. So if you have not been trustworthy in handling worldly wealth, who will trust you with true riches? True riches being spiritual wealth. The wealth to know who to trust, who not to trust. The spiritual wealth to know when to speak and when to be quiet. The wealth to know when to move and when to stop. That is true wealth. So Jesus says, and if you have not been trustworthy with someone else's property, who will give you the property of your own? Jesus is not focused on the size of the responsibility. He's not focused on the size of the money that you have to manage. He's not focused on the size of the congregation that you have to manage. He's focused on your sense of responsibility. No matter how small your assignment, how do you take it? In other words, do you feel a sense of responsibility because you have been given the account of the church to manage or you feel a sense of responsibility because you are told to sweep the church before every service? Whichever way you manage it is what defines you. It may appear small, but the diligence with which you manage the cleanliness of the church may just make the church say, look, this person can manage the money. Ecclesiastes 9.10 says, whatever your hands find to do, do it with all your might. For in the realm of the dead, where all of us are going, there is no working, nor planning, nor knowledge, nor wisdom. This is the time to prove what you are worth. So four things that are little, yet are to be admired. There are those who are poor by the standard of this world. They are unimportant by the standard of this world. They are small. You are small boy. By the standard of this world. But to the world, they are insignificant. But to God, they are wise and they are important. Ants represent the example of diligence which ensures constant provision. The coney or the rabbit represents the example of where weakness can become strength and security. The locust represents the power of community. And the spider of the lizard represents the power of determination. What is your ambition? What is your desire? What is your aspiration? Learn from the small or the wise and achieve your success against all odds. Let us pray. What you say, you will do. That is what you will do. Anyway. Yeah.
understand how the word of God works and how it applies. Just raise your hand we'll pray together. Just raise it briefly. Let me see you. We'll pray together. You are raising your hand. Raise it well so I can see you. You are here to give your life to Christ. You don't even know how to apply spiritual principles and how to apply the word of God and how it works. When people say, God said to me, God told me, I had God speaking. You are wondering, the wisdom to know how to appreciate and understand the word of God. The Bible says, is anyone that lacks wisdom, he should ask God. That's in the book of James. Raise your hand and let me see it very well. The rest of us, let's begin to pray for wisdom. To take the right decisions at the right place at the right time. To know when to speak and when to be quiet. To know when to move and when to stop. To know who to trust and who not to trust. Pray for yourself. Very important prayer. No matter how you have looked at yourself, whether you feel you are not important, everybody needs wisdom. God, fill me with wisdom. Fill me with wisdom from above. Let me live each day by wisdom. Let me live each day by wisdom. Fill me with wisdom from above to navigate through life and not live in the kingdom of the foolish. Let's pray this morning for the preacher, the servant of God who has ministered the word to us. Let's pray that greater wisdom will be his portion, that God will increase him on every side, in wisdom, in anointing, and in his callings. That he will continue to fulfill God's purpose here on earth. Father, we thank you this morning for the word we have received from the throne of grace. Thank you for speaking to our hearts to be able to walk in wisdom. That no matter where we find ourselves, to see ourselves that we need to be faithful so that we, wisdom can attend to our lives. We ask therefore, Father, Lord God, according to the word we have received this morning, let this word, let it be profitable in the lives of every hearer in the name of Jesus Christ. Pray for your servant that you have used. We ask that you will increase him on every side. You will fill him with greater wisdom. And Lord, that which you have called him to do in the kingdom, Father, Lord God, let it be profitable in his hands. Thank you, everlasting Father. In Jesus' precious name, we are prayed.